will be in the book of the Revelation for the most part. And so I would encourage you to turn to Revelation chapter number 1 and Revelation chapter number 2. And uh, that's where we will predominantly be this morning. One of the things that I want to share with you, you're probably going to get tired of hearing it is coming. Just hold on. Um, we say that it's coming. Well, that's going to start today. I'm getting ready to introduce you to it. It's called LED. I made reference to it back in December, but you're going to hear it. It's going to be a part of everything that you see, everything that's going to take place. We're going to be putting it on our website as well. LED, that's what we're going to be in 2024. The L standing for leadership, the E standing for evangelism, and the D standing for discipleship. I honestly believe that in 2024, we as a church, Ascension Baptist Church in Ascension Parish in Louisiana, in the wonderful United States of America, in the world that we live in today, I honestly believe that 2024 is going to be a pivotal year uh, for us and our vision and our focus, our priorities, our direction as we move forward, especially in light of where we find ourselves in culture today. Uh, culture today is beginning to make its way inside of the church. Matter of fact, it has picked up speed to some degree as it begins to affect those who make up the church today. You know, one of the passages that we often go to is found in Hebrews 10.25 when the writer of the book of Hebrews trying to encourage his readers with this. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but even so much the more as you see the day approaching. To do what? To exhort, to build up, to encourage, to walk alongside of. You know that song that Brother Red just sang, we're almost home. Well, yeah, we are. There's a day coming when we will experience rest. We'll experience rest unlike we've ever experienced rest before in our lives. But until that day comes, we're here in the present. That is future that is coming. One of the interesting things that you find about Revelation chapter 1 is Jesus, John, is told to write about those things which were, which are, and which are to come. And so for us, as we look at the letters to the seven churches, they should be encouraging to us as we look at them and consider them and think about the impact that those letters should have on us today. One of the things that I've often wondered is, if Jesus Christ were to write a letter to Ascension Baptist Church today, I wonder what it would contain. I've often thought about that. I wonder how we would be seen in light of what we've been tasked to do, where we would be in that process, especially as we look at the seven letters to the seven churches. So where are we today? What is taking place today? Well, I want to share something with you. This, is this has recently been released. It takes them about a year to get all these numbers together. But I want to share something with you this morning because I'm going to tell you something. I've been saying it. I've been saying it off and on for a while. Culture is impacting the churches. Matter of fact, let me say this to you this morning, okay? Yeah, we went through a flood in 16. We went through COVID in 20. Yeah, we went through a major hurricane in 21, I think it was, okay? We've been through all of that. But folks, listen to me. Those should never be an excuse for where we are not in our walk with the Lord or where the church is today. 
It should not be times of excuse. Matter of fact, what they ought to be more than anything else for us is times of opportunity. And I will tell you, the church today has no greater opportunity, I believe, than we do right now. Opportunities with what? Opportunities with the gospel. Matter of fact, just listen to this real quickly. The Southern Baptist Convention's peak membership was 16.2 million in 2006. 16.2 million members that made up the Southern Baptist Convention in 2006. In 2022, it was 13.2 million. You do the math. That's 3 million less. That's not too big of a deal, but let me share something with you. That's not the real number. And matter of fact, one of the things that we often do today to try to measure the success of our churches today, oftentimes what we do is we look at that, I'll just go ahead and say it, it's called a ministerial number. It's called a pastoral number. How many members do you think we have of Ascension Baptist Church today? If you look at our membership role How many members do you think we have that make up Ascension Baptist Church today? What if I were to share with you that it is past 650? So where are they? Some have passed on, some have moved. But if you were to take it down and eliminate even those, we have well over 400 members of this church that are still in the area. As far as we know. But that's not the telling number. Okay, because whenever we fill out our little annual profile for the Southern Baptist Convention, here's what we like to do. Oh, we don't want that number to be too low. We want to make sure that number's on up there. So let's take every nose that we can possibly count and increase that number. But here comes the telling number for you this morning. Listen to me closely. Even more telling are the attendance numbers. The Southern Baptist Convention's peak weekly attendance was 6.2 million in 2009. 6.2 million. By 2022, weekly attendance declined to 3.8 million. Do you understand? That's a 40% decrease in attendance. 40% decrease in attendance. So what does it mean? What, is it, what does it say to us today? I'll tell you what it is. Culture is beginning to make its way into our churches. And it's affecting folks. Why do you think the writer of Hebrews says, you know, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I can say, I can say this to you today. I, I don't know about you, okay? But I was about, okay, I've been out of church long enough. Okay, not being here on Wednesday nights, not being here on Sunday nights. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I've been out about long enough. Let me tell you something. I love the church. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're a believer here this morning, let me share something. You ought to love the church. You say, well, why should we love the church? Let me tell you why. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Jesus Christ loved the church. Matter of fact, he gave himself for it. He gave himself for her, for the church. So we as believers today, let me tell you something. We ought to love the church, even with all of her difficulties. 
Because what should we do together when we meet together in the house of the Lord? As we come together as God's people, let me tell you what it ought to be. It ought to be a place that we come to where we find encouragement, where we are able to be a blessing to someone else, where, we're, where we grow, where we exhort one another, where we learn, where we do mission together, where we're concentrating on what it is the work of God has for us. That's the way we ought to look at it. As a matter of fact, when we walk in the building, and you've heard me say this before, wouldn't it be great when we would come to the house of the Lord, when we walked in the doors, it wouldn't be about, okay, I'm here, now do your best to bless me. Huh? It ought to be the other way, listen, it ought to be the other way around. When we walk in the doors of this place, let me tell you what it ought to be. It ought to be, what can I do to be an encouragement or a blessing to somebody here today? Just somebody may need a word of encouragement, a blessing on their behalf, or something in their life. They just need someone to come alongside of them, take them by the arm, and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Amen. And listen, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad to see you. You're a good-looking group of people. Some, some folks got it, okay? Some folks may not get it. But let me tell you something. It's an encouragement to see you here in the house of the Lord. Let me say something else to you this morning. We in the United States of America today, we have no idea what persecution is. Do you realize today that Christians are being persecuted more today than they ever have been in history? While we're sitting in here this morning, and I'm going to tell you something, I went in the Family Life Center, I don't have a whole lot of layers of insulation to keep me warm. So if it's cold, it goes to my bone quickly. I will say this to you this morning, the Family Life Center over there, it was a little chilly in there. And I'm over there, boy, and I'm just hitting, I'm hitting, the, trying to raise it. Guess what? Power was out. Partial power. Somebody made a statement, well, what if all the power went off and we didn't have the microphones and everything? Let me tell you what, it doesn't stop you from preaching. Do you realize there's people today that are experiencing persecution around this world for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are more people today losing their life for the gospel than they have in the past history. Not here. You ready for this? At least yet. So you have seven letters. You know, it's interesting when you look at these seven letters in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, making its way all the way through the last verse of chapter 3. Seven different churches. Now here's something interesting about them. John wrote to these churches. He wrote the book of the Revelation to churches facing persecution and being tempted to compromise with Roman power. That's who they were. Being tempted to compromise. Please listen to me today. May the church today never get to the place that we're willing to compromise anything when it comes to the sake of the gospel. Persecution? 
Anybody have anybody stop you from coming to worship today? How many of y'all are afraid of being here in the building this morning? Afraid something's going to happen? See, we don't live that way. So for us today, when we consider who we are, matter of fact, we ought to be, listen, we ought to be full board at it today with the gospel. So what does is, what is John ask them to do? Well, he calls on them to stay faithful until the end. Just to stay faithful to the end. And see, here's the thing. We don't know when the end is. We're just called to stay faithful to the end. Let me ask you a question. For what God did for you as a believer, is it too much to ask to remain faithful to the end? To remain faithful to what? You know, that's becoming the big question today. Faithful to what? Well, you know, I, I, I just don't want to force Jesus Christ on anybody. I just don't want to force the Bible on anybody. I just don't want to force the truth on anybody. Well, my dear friend, I want to ask you a simple question. If you had the truth to something that would prevent someone from losing their life, and you knew you had the truth, but you weren't real sure how that individual would be acceptive of that truth that you have, would you stand silent and watch them die knowing that you held the truth that would have prevented them from dying. So let me ask you a simple question today. Do you realize that people without Jesus Christ, if they die without Christ, do you understand where they're going when they die? I hate to tell you this, but they're not going to a happy median place out here that they're going to be held until such time to determine whether or not their works are going to outweigh the, the bad that they've done in their life to see if they've got enough good works to get them to heaven. That's not the way it works. Folks, please listen to me. If you die without Jesus Christ, I will tell you where you're going. You're going to go and spend eternity totally separated, absolutely eternally separated from God in a place called hell. That's where you're going. That's the truth of the scripture. See, here's the interesting thing to me today. We have the truth. Jesus said we're to be a light, not hid under a bushel somewhere. We're to be the salt. My dear friend, listen to me. The world today, those around us need to hear the truth of the word of God. Because I will tell you right now, there are many being pulled away by false teaching, by cults, by different things. It sounds good on the surface, but it's false. So what do we do with it? What happens? To be faithful to the end. Matter of fact, you ready for this? Believers should rejoice despite persecution and discrimination from opponents. We should rejoice. Yeah. So how do we do that? How does that happen? Well, Revelation chapter number 1, verse 19 and verse 20. Marvin read it earlier today. Therefore, therefore what? What John had just seen, 
Do you understand who John saw? John heard a voice behind him. John knew who it was. Are you ready for this? I hate to tell you this, he didn't run up and hug him around the neck, did he? What happened to John when he saw? Verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a what? Like a dead man. Let me tell you something. I honestly believe this today. The church today needs to get a different view of who Jesus Christ is. So therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which shall take place after these things. And as for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The letters to the seven churches of Revelation chapter 2 and, verse, uh, and chapter 3 probably have received the most intense homiletical attention of anything else in Scripture or in the current world that we live in today. Now, what does that mean? It has to do with the interpretation of the seven churches. So what are they? Who are they? Why the letters? Matter of fact, Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars. Guess what? It's defined for us who they are. It's seven churches. Matter of fact, beginning with the church at Ephesus, going all the way through the church at Laodicea. What's interesting about these seven churches is this. Seven messages or seven letters to seven congregations. Don't ever lose sight of that. It's not to church age times. It is to seven distinct congregations of people. These letters came to all seven of them, seven literal churches that existed in Asia Minor during the first century. So it is interesting when we consider these letters that John is now going to share. So who were they? Well, if you get a map out, go to Asia Minor, find Ephesus. You can make your way kind of in a circle. When you get to Laodicea, you make your way back around to Ephesus. Seven churches, seven letters, seven messages to literal churches. Interesting. And are you ready for this? Here's one of the other things I want you to understand. The messages or the letters are from who? They're from Jesus Christ. My dear friends, see, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what our opinion is. What matters is what Jesus Christ has to say. Amen? So and when you look at each of the seven messages, there's something that is common to all of them, which is interesting. Matter of fact, brings me to my first point this morning, and here it is. Here is a phrase that is common to all seven of them, and it is the phrase to him who overcomes. And let me tell you something that that phrase means in all seven of the letters. It's basically living as an overcomer. Can believers today live as an overcomer? Sure you can. Well, how do you live as an overcomer is the question that gets asked. Matter of fact, if you will look at verse 7 of chapter 2, 
Notice in this first letter, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. Drop down to verse 7 or verse 11 of chapter 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is to the church at Smyrna. Notice the phrase, he who overcomes. Go to verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the church at Pergamon. To him who overcomes. Drop down to verse 26. He who overcomes. Drop down to chapter 3 and verse number 5. To the church at Sardis. He who overcomes. Drop down to verse number 12. The message to Philadelphia. He who overcomes. And look at the message to Laodicea, which is interesting. Even to Laodicea, we see the same phrase, he who what? He who overcomes. So in all seven of the letters, there's something common to all of them, and it is the thought to him who overcomes. What is so significant about that phrase? The word overcome means to be victorious over. To vanquish the enemy. To triumph over difficulty. Let me ask you a question. Do we live victorious lives as believers today? It's not that we cannot. Oftentimes it's because we decide not to. Because we choose another path. Because we choose another way. Oftentimes we think we have a better way. Well, I will tell you what, there's only one way that you can live as an overcomer, and that's through the presence of Jesus Christ in your heart and life and through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That is the only way you'll be an overcomer. Because it won't make any difference what's going on in your life. Think about this with me. We can endure and persevere because of His presence and the Holy Spirit. We can live as overcomers. Matter of fact, one of the things that we're encouraged to do is to live that way. Matter of fact, James in James chapter number one, he writes, he says, and we should count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations or difficulties. Philippians, go read the book of Philippians. Philippians is a book of joy about what? Having joy in your life as a believer. Can we persevere? Can we endure? Can we rejoice when difficulty comes? Sure we can. How do you do it? It's through the presence of Jesus Christ in your heart and life and through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's how it happens. So as, as these letters are coming to these churches, at the bottom line of all of them is to be an overcomer. And let me just share something with you this morning. Approaching the last days, please listen to me. Please. As we approach the last days, we're in the last days, but as we approach the end of the last days, please listen to me, evil and persecution is going to continually increase. And no, by the way, it is coming to a doorstep near you. You say, well, how do you know that? Very simple. Jesus said, it's amazing to me that you can look at the clouds. You can look at the sky. And determine what the weather's going to be. But you have no clue as to the signs around you. Please listen to me. Evil and persecution is going to increase. But there are two things that I want you to understand this morning. 
as we consider these seven letters and where we are culturally today. Please listen to me because I'm going to share these with you from my heart. Here comes the first one. The church will continue to grow. Do you realize today they're seeing greater growth in the areas where the greatest persecution is taking place than we are in the West? Where the church finds herself under great persecution, they are growing. The Word of God is growing. Let me share something with you. That's not a new concept here. When you go read the book of Acts and look at the early days of the church, I will tell you this, they grew under persecution and the word of God grew also. They became more bold as a result of the persecution, not where we are today. None of us in this building this morning should take what we have for granted. Hey, it's nice, nice new buildings, nice buildings, padded pews. Latest and greatest in technical equipment that we have. My dear friend, please listen to me. There are people meeting today that have none of this. The church will continue to grow. You say, how do you know that? Jesus told Peter this. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't care how bad things get. I don't care how desperate things get. I don't care how much persecution increases. I don't care how much culture tries to define. The church will not die. Why? Because it's founded upon the rock of Jesus Christ. That's why. Let me ask you a question. Is he dead? One time they thought he was. Guess what? Three days later, he fooled them, didn't he? And there's a lot of people being fooled today that think the church is no longer relevant and is going to die. I hate to tell you this. Ain't going to happen. Point number three. Satanic opposition will intensify. It's intensifying today. Satanic opposition will intensify. You say, Brother Robert, you sure are painting a very clear. <laughs> well, it sure don't sound like a good picture. It depends on whether or not you're a believer or you're a lost person. You see, for me as a believer, I know we're getting close. You know what that means for me? Let me tell you what it means for me. Are you ready? I'm soon going to go to my inheritance. Well, don't you have an inheritance here? Nope. Well, don't you own a house and some property and a couple cows and some chickens and all that kind of stuff? Let me tell you something. Yep, you can have every bit of it when I'm gone. Because my future inheritance does not even hold a, listen, what I live in and at and own now doesn't hold a candle to what's coming. And you say, well, what's coming? Let me share with you what's coming for me. I can't wait to see the one who died for me. 
That's what I can't wait to see. Is it about getting stuff? No, it's not about getting stuff. It's about seeing the one that John saw on the Isle of Patmos that changed his life. That's who people need today. They need the one who can change your life. Matter of fact, I'm going to a place of rest. (laughs) I can't wait. I'll be able to sit down and cease from my labor. You say, preachers don't work anyway. (laughs) Satanic opposition will intensify. So what about the seven letters? Do you realize that in the letters to the seven churches, we have the Lord, listen, if you, don't, if you don't see this, please see this. We have the Lord's personal encouragement to keep the faith. His personal encouragement to keep the faith. He who overcomes, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, he who overcomes. To keep the faith, endure persecution, remain zealous, and take every opportunity to share the gospel. Do you realize we have a cloud? I don't know about you. Do you realize we have a cloud of witnesses? Think about all of those that's gone home before us who stuck to it, who've stood by the faith. One that I looked up to, I've had many conversations with him. I just, whenever you got around him, you just you knew he spent time with the Lord, but he went home to be with the Lord this, the end of this past week. As a matter of fact, when I had the opportunity to baptize our granddaughter in Warner Robins, Georgia, at Second Baptist, none other than Junior Hill was preaching that morning. Junior Hill's going home to be with the Lord. I've watched Junior Hill preach with tears flowing from his face as he began to talk about what Jesus Christ did in his own life. My dear friend, listen to me. The church today, we need to get another insight and view of Jesus Christ and who he is. I think we've lost it. We find another interesting phrase in all seven of the letters, and I want to share these with you as well. Go to chapter 2 and verse 2. And matter of fact, I'm just going to give these to you real quickly this morning. You can mark them and go back and read. So let me give them to you, okay? Chapter 2, verse 2. I want you to notice the first two words of verse 2. I know. When you look at verse number 9, you see two words. I know. When you look at verse 13... Of chapter 2, you find two words, I know. When you look at verse 19, you find two words, I know. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know. 
Look at verse 8. I know. And then look at verse 14. So here's point four. Jesus said, here's an interesting thing. All the time I've studied the letters, I thought this was so interesting. Over and over and over again, let me tell you what Jesus said. I know. I know. I know. Let me tell you what he's saying. He said, I know where you are. I know what's going on. I know exactly what's taking place. And my dear friend, listen to me. Jesus knows exactly what's taking place here. He knows. He knows. Why? He knows all things. He's omniscient. That's who he is. Let me ask you a question. Is he concerned about us? Please listen to me. We're not saved by works of righteousness. Because we have none. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's everything that Jesus Christ has done. We're not saved by works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But are you ready for this? But as a believer, our works are important to the Lord. Did you know that? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He's concerned about what we do. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren. Notice what Paul writing to the church at Corinth says. Be steadfast. Immovable. Steadfast. In other words, steady at it. Immovable. What? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. But I love the last part of verse 58. Here it comes. Knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor or your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Let me tell you something. He knows. All seven of the letters. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Ascension Baptist, listen to me, please. He knows. He knows. He knows where we are. He knows what's taking place. He knows what's going on. Then Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 10 through verse 12. Notice verse 10. For God is not unjust. So as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Here's the reason. So that you will not be sluggish, but intimidators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In other words, folks, listen to me. We've got ones that have gone on behind or before us. Those coming up behind, let us hold the standard. Let's give it all we have. 
So in closing this morning, I'm going to share a few things with you. Number one, at the beginning of this book, Jesus is presented in majestic glory. Chapter one of verse, or verse one of chapter one says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse one, all the way through verse number 11. Who is he? I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. John turned around and saw him. When John turned around and saw him and he heard the voice behind him, he knew who he was. Secondly, what the church needs today, I believe, is a new awareness of Christ and his glory. Believe me, the whole time I've been for the last month preparing for this series, I thought, I wonder what that letter would look like. I wonder what it would look like. Third, if we truly see Jesus, we won't fear anything else, not even death, for we will realize that Jesus holds the keys of death and hell. He conquered the grave. Do you realize that for us, when that day comes, for us to pass from this life into the next, Jesus Christ is the first fruit of all of that. He's already gone before us and prepared the way for us. There's no reason to fear. We should rejoice going to see the one who loved us so. And then finally, we can have absolute confidence today that whatever the opposition, whatever the situation, Jesus reigns over all and will protect his own. Does it mean things may not get a little difficult? No. Does it mean that things, we may not have some, some trouble along the way? No. But I'll tell you something. We can rest assured and our confidence can be placed in the one who loves us so. So what about us in 2024? Well, let me ask you a question. It's not about me. And I can tell you right now, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about you. How do you see the church? Jesus loved the church. Are you ready for this? And he gave his life for the church. So all of us today who are believers, what are we doing? What are we doing to encourage, to build up, to edify, to exhort one another, to come together for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen to me. There's a lost and dying world out there who need Jesus Christ. And we have the truth. But my first question to you this morning is, first of all, do you have the truth? Do you know the truth? Jesus himself said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Well, my question to you is, are, are, are you saved? Are you a born-again believer? Well, Brother Robert, I don't think you can know for sure. Oh, yeah, you can. You say, you sure seem a little confident. And I am. And you tell you why? Because it's based on a promise from here. Amen. Not on a feeling. My hope and trust is on a promise from one who has never broken a promise. My question to you is, do you know? What if today were to be your last day? Do you know where you would spend eternity? I trust that you do. Because if you don't, I'd encourage you today to place your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone and let him set you free. You part of a local church? If you're not, I would encourage you to become part of a local church. 2024, I'm looking forward to what God's going to do through Ascension Baptist Church.